Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self worst Okay, how we doing? Welcome to another episode of this podcast That is called... Fuck, I forgot the name of my own podcast. Just kidding. Of course I didn't forget the name of my podcast. It's self Worst Podcast with your host, um, James Corden. Hi, I'm James Corden. Welcome to uh, My Favorite Murder, or whatever this show is called. That's what you're listening to right now. Okay. How are we doing, folks? How is your October unfolding? I hope you are uh, descending into the season of the witch. Uh, you know, getting cozy and doing all of that shit. And uh, being mindful of, uh, you know, the, the, the shortening days. It's happening. It's sneaking up on us. I fully took a nap today. Didn't even expect it didn't think that naps were gonna still be a thing now that I'm back on Adderall but here we are taking Adderall naps but you know in general being more productive learning to code and shit watching some horror movies you know getting into this season the spirit watching Dead and Buried kind of a uh, I haven't finished it yet kind of a yes I'm one of those guys who uh you know, starts a movie and pauses it partway through. Not all the time, but sometimes. A movie like this, who gives a shit? It's actually kind of good. Has uh, Stan Winston effects, and uh, there's a uh, that the the dad from or the grandpa from fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's in it, and he plays like a mortician. It's great. Robert England is in it, but he's just some guy. I think he's just a cop. He's a minor part. It's interesting. Anyway, that's what I've been up to this evening. Besides taking a, an Adderall nap. Because, you know, you think that it's going to make you all speedy and crazy, but guess what? Does the opposite thing if you got the ADHD. I nap on that shit. Anyway, had a good week. Had some uh, friends in town, friend of the show, Andrew Hillary, came into town. Uh, we hung out. Uh, we went to a NYPD haunted house for yucks and spooks and booze. Um, and it was interesting. There's a whole episode of Pod Damn America uh, that's all about it that I'm on. So check me out on that. It's last week's episode. Go, go listen to it. That's fun. It's an honor. Wow. Look at me. Look at your boy. All right. So anyway, for out uh, this show called um, the WTF experience um, is uh, is go- is going fine. Everything's great. <laughs> uh, this week uh, we're talking to uh, my new friend Akau Jumbo. Um, recorded this a couple of weeks back. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. I heard him on Halal Cartels and I wanted to talk to him. Thought he was just really positive and has been through a lot of crazy shit and, uh, wanted to get his experience on tape or digital binary code, whatever you want to call it. Um, you're going to hear me struggle a lot in this episode. I don't know why. I think I was feeling kind of off that day. Uh, it was hard. I had a hard interview. Not because a cow was a bad guest, but because uh, yeah, I just... I had... Sometimes I just have trouble. Sometimes I just have trouble feeling like I uh, know what the fuck I'm doing. Anyway. Maybe I shouldn't um, peel back the curtain like that. And belittle my show before you even hear it. Man. I, I guess I should start seeing a therapist again. Like I said, I'm between therapists right now. If you follow the events of my stupid, dumb, little, tiny life. I'm not currently in 
talk therapy. I'll get back in it. Don't worry. But anyway, that's what's up with me in this episode. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, follow me at Bradical Pearson, Instagram and Twitter. You know, follow the show at Self Worst and rate and review, like and subscribe, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Patreon.com. That's all. Um, I, I got nothing else. I'm, it's already dark out. It's not that late. I guess we just got to get used to it. This is where we're at. Deal with it. Anyway, let's go to the top. Yeah, well, it's a pr- productive day. I've been working on some, uh, some documents and they're going pretty well. So it's a, it's a nice one. You're uh, back in South Sudan. Yes, I'm back in South Sudan. Um, <clears throat> you uh, recently just visited the United States and did some uh, did some shows here. That's pretty cool. Um, was this your yeah, first yeah. time here? I, I was there for like three months. It was my first time. First time. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, so like, tell yeah. us a little bit uh, about yourself and your backgrounds, um, you know, because I think you have a, a crazy backstory and, um, you know, I, I think uh, it's going to weigh in a lot on, um, you know, who you are. And- yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Akao Jumbo. I'm a, I'm a South Sudanese stand-up comedian. Um, I, was, uh, I was born and raised in a refugee camp in the northern part of South Sudan. So I grew up in, I grew up out of South Sudan all my life like and i moved to uganda when i was about i think i should have been about six or five yeah. and and i lived there grew up there went to school there and that's where i discovered comedy around 2016 and i've been doing comedy since then and i think it's the best thing that has ever happened to me wow um yeah. so i mean so many questions so south sudan pretty young country it's like what 11 years old and um yes there's been a lot going on. They've already had two civil wars. Is that correct? Um, a lot of unrest and a lot of situations. Yeah, it depends. If you're counting, if you're counting on South Sudan, then it's two civil wars. If you're counting on like the whole history, it's about five. Five wars. <laughs> I yeah, mean, if you if you're counting about the whole where we've come from. But yeah, you're right. South Sudan, it's two civil wars, 2013 and 2016. Yeah. So, I mean, growing up in a, uh, in a refugee camp, what, uh, tell us about that. Um, it was, it was an interesting, um, life because I mean, when you, when you've not been anywhere else, you don't know anything else. So it was pretty much a very normal thing for us that grew up there. Uh, it felt like that's what the rest of the world looked like until I started traveling around, going to like the city with my mom every now and then. That's when I was like, "Oh yeah, there's there's something there's something different about this." But it was it was basically a bunch of other young refugees, their families, um, the, the UN always around and everything. Um, a lot of white people around us, <laughs> right? And put put us into confusion and all of that. So it was pretty much the whole thing. It's just. It's just when you move out that you start to really realize that that there was a difference that 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 life was was not the, the normal life yeah. that one would live. And I, I've yeah. I've gotten a lot of your backstory from your episode with our, our mutual friend Gabe Pacheco on his podcast uh, Halal Cartels. Um, yes. That yes. your your father yeah. um, fought in the war and you know, decided to yes. uh, leave his family behind, you know, get you to safety, and then uh, go and fight. Um, do you know what motivated him to like stick around and fight and, and not, um, try and get away with the rest of you or try and get you out of the country or try and just, uh, go to the refugee camp himself? Why did he want to commit to fighting? It, it was the idea of the idea that the, the, the leader of our movement, um, uh, Dr. John Garang, he passed on a few years, uh, like not few years, like fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. may so rest in peace. The the idea that he sold to the South Sudanese people is the one that motivated them to to fight because uh, over over thirty years ago there was a there was a very like uh, the North marginalized the South because the North are like Arabs and the South are like Black Africans. Yeah. So there was so much racism, there was marginalization, and so many other things. And Dr. John 
basically formed a movement that's called the Sudan People's Liberation Movement that was supposed to liberate the South. And he went from town to town with his colleagues and he sold the idea of a new Sudan, a Sudan where the people in the South are treated as equal as the people in the North. And when that movement started in 1984, if I'm not mistaken, 84 to 5, if I'm not mistaken, um, my father was a young was a young man, pretty much. I think he was almost a teenager. I think he was a teenager then if he wasn't in his early 20s. Yeah. So when that idea was sold to him, it was sold to other young people in, in his community and they knew that it was their responsibility to pick up arms and join the movement and try to secure a future for their for, 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 for their children or for like other people and secure the country. So many other many other people that were in that age um, uh, took up arms and, and, and went into the movement and also other people decided to do that because it was a trend. It, it was like a TikTok trend when this is what people are doing. Right. This is what I'm going to do. People are going to war. I'm not going to be the one that stays at home and people laugh at me. I'm going to go to war. So unfortunately for a lot of people who were in my father's age that got caught up in that as well, they had to go in because that's what the society was doing. And um, a lot of ch child soldiers were also taken in. Yeah. It was just because it was a guerrilla movement being formed. So the trend became push the, push the children and the, and the women to the refugee camps and the children have to go to school. Because the, the leader of the movement always pushed for school. He, he struck a lot of deals with the international communities um, to make sure that South Sudanese go to schools. So we, we are going to schools in Kenya. There was the refugee program that happened between Australia, America, Canada, and South Sudan, where a lot of young people were taken to schools there. It was part of his dream for us to continue going to school while they fight for the war. Yeah. And so that that's basically what really what really transpired that made that, that, that made us not most of us not grow up with our parents some women also stayed and fought and they didn't go with their kids and they stayed and fought uh, they have it's a battalion called katiba banat it's basically it's called the battalion of women so it's just the idea the idea of a better future that was sold to them right um yeah it's yeah it's crazy like the the conditions that have to lead to a revolution and a, uh, a war for independence like that have to be so extreme yeah. for, you know, somebody to say like, I care about this enough to leave my wife and child behind and go to a war zone and possibly get ripped apart, you know, get shot, get blown up. And you yeah. know, like the, the conditions that lead to that just have to be so, um, extreme and the process of independence of any country is so messy and usually violent. Um, and it's, it's really only that, you know, this one, this revolutionary war in your case is, is just one of the more recent ones in history. You know, every country yeah. that's ever existed, uh, there's just, you know, blood and guts everywhere all over, um, you know, the, the foundation yeah. of their country. And so like, it's, you know, what that has to do to the first couple generations of people, uh, who live in that country, who, who, you know, experience that firsthand. I mean, you know, we have, you know, this concept of, of generational trauma, um, that, you know, trauma yeah. is passed down from generation to generation, not just through like the way your parents act around you, but almost like in your genetic code, like it's almost just like yeah. a predisposition. You, you have it almost instinctually programmed in you. So like, um, have you, uh, noticed any of that in in yourself and um you know you seem like a a, a really uh i don't know you're really bright and you're really self-aware and you're really um thank you uh you know i, I have have you um had time even to like do like self-assessment and think like man like this is a lot of fallout that i'm taking on yeah, I mean, I think because your your question has a few few different parts that I would like to answer to. I mean, the sense that it's not it's not it's not how extreme the situation is that makes people really like fight back. 
it's usually because a situation can be really extreme and people can just give up when they don't see anything it's usually the hope that that is availed during mm. that extreme situation that gives the people the energy to fight back and that is what we'd like to say that happened to south sudan in the 80s where we got hope we got a got a leader that was smart and saw something and sold us that hope that yeah. everyone was like okay we are just fighting for that little thing it's like someone that is that is walking in the desert and they they can't find any water and they with the mean they find a drop of water they just get the energy to walk more because they have hope that there's more water yeah. right in front there and i think that's that's what really pushed pushed us to 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 where we are now but again of course it's it's very it's a very dangerous place um a lot of it's it's very traumatic a lot of people that were there and were adults during that time are really going through so much right now it's quite unfortunate that my country has not taken taken the d- direction of trauma healing and try to like help out these people to like reconcile with themselves because they did they did a bunch of things and they they would not be proud of right now but they did it yeah. in the name of survival but we we just picked up and said okay now let's move on and then we're just moving on we jump into another war another war and we're building more trauma on to us uh, the children that were born in the war have the trauma the children that were was child soldiers and now all people have the trauma the elders that were fighting right now and veterans have the trauma so when you come in the streets it's a bunch of of uh, of angry people toxic people that have not gotten a, a time to let this thing out to let it like go out and replace it with love uh, the only thing that has tried to to help us and penetrate and try to ease us a bit is education um those of us that have gotten the, the privilege of getting educated and um and gotten exposure those of, those of us that have traveled to different countries and lived with different communities we we those communities helped us to ease a bit because while we're living with those communities we had our trauma and we reacted violently to a lot of things but those communities kind of like said ah this is how we react this is how it's supposed to be they helped cool us down to a point where we we are less violent than than other people would be at the moment and and the, you can see the struggle in the streets you can see the struggle in the streets in in juba here you can like most of the times we always say like you know been a really traumatic like like they've been traumatized people always get into fights that are not even sensible but the the the, the code of conduct is if i i'm trying to talk to you about something and you raise your voice i'll raise my voice and then when we all see that we can all raise our voices we now come down and then talk to us nicely but this is something that has been built for a very long time this is how we've been behaving for a very long time that we do not, we do not we've not yet figured how to connect this behavior to where we came from it's 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 something that's in us that it needs us to really like reason up a bit and just say hey let's just de- de- uh, deconstruct a lot of these things and it plays plays a big role uh, um giving you an example of, of someone that's uh, that, that's in a, that was born and raised in a refugee camp my life has been temporary my whole life like uh, raised in the camp moved moved out of the camp with my mom my mom passes on and my dad passes on so i'm i'm basically i'm in a place that is a house not a home so i'm with my cousins and no other person the eldest kid is 14 years old we do the cooking we do the everything we are the guardians of ourselves so we don't have a guardian so it's a house it's not a home and i grow up and i'm trying to create a home for myself this whole time and i have a home now where i okay still me and my brother living there but i realized that i don't even stay there i spend the whole day out of the house i go into the house to sleep and live in the morning and one day i sat and i was like why do i have to pay this amount of money when i don't even spend time here and i realized i'm not comfortable in the house it's not there's nothing wrong with the house but the idea of me sitting down and watching tv and relaxing the whole time is not something that i'm used to i'm used to being out of the house i don't have a house that like i'm used to roaming around and all of that and and this is what i do right now every morning i head out go sit somewhere do my work when it's late i go and sleep and that's what makes me happier spending the whole day in the house doesn't it it doesn't make me happy so i can't feel i can't uh i can't say this thing is not co- connected to, to 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 my past it's in one way or the other it's connected yeah it must be i mean the you have to keep yeah. moving in some way i mean either you know 
physically or, or, or making money or just like getting, you know, getting out, doing something like that, that yeah. completely makes sense. Um, do yeah. you, I mean, want to eventually, uh, have a, a home and settle down somewhere and like have a place where you can like kick back with like, you know, a, a, a dog and a TV and just like chill. A dog, no. <laughs> a do- <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not a, a dog you're, you're person. You're not a dog person. That's uh, but I came to realize that dogs dogs have become very <laughs> expensive lately. I was in the U.S. and I, I was seeing that dogs are treated different in the U.S. than they are here. Like it's 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 like a baby. It's so much responsibility. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my idea, my idea of a dog growing up is not the idea of a dog in this current situation. Yeah. And my mom, my mom, my mom was a very funny person. Whenever I would ask my mom for a dog, my mom would be like, you're also a dog. Why, what do you need a dog for? Because her idea is like, she's looking after me. How do I get someone to look at something to look after too? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I, I had ideas of that. But when I started doing comedy, I, I realized that, again, my, my the, the place I call home is more about comedy right now. Right. So to me, what is home is where I can, I can be happy doing chasing my career and doing my thing that's 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 where i'm really happy as home right now so it's not it's not i'm not focusing on the structural home right now i'm st- focusing on the emotional and the mental home where i feel accommodated and 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 happy to be to be because of the things that i'm doing and all of that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, comedy is a lifestyle that you're already very um, equipped for. It's it's nomadic. Um, it can be very, um, mm. you know, feast or famine, unstable financially, um, and can take yeah. you sort of anywhere. And um, you know, it doesn't have a it, there. There isn't really like the the kind of normal day job nine to five sort of thing. I mean, a lot of people who are comedians, yeah. especially in the States, they have to have day jobs cause they, you know, cause it's expensive to live here and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah. Uh, how do you, um, you know, how do you buy balance, uh, finances as, as a creative person? How do I balance finances? So, um, I'm not in a very, it's, this, I mean, it's an expensive city that I'm in, but I'm not, I'm not in a city that's as expensive as New York or yeah. as expensive as, as some of the American cities. So that lowers the load on me in the sense that a lot of the things that I, that I need to cover for me to be comfortable, let's say my rent, my food, for me to be comfortable and say, okay, now let me chase my career. Um, are a little bit of things that I can, I can handle when I just like throw my hands here and there, like I don't need to get a day job to get those things settled. Uh, so I do social media influencing for, for, for corporate companies. They pay me to, to like uh, push their, their, their content on my social media. I do gigs, um, I MC gigs and all of that. And uh, off that, I also do some work around helping a lot of things. Like it's, you just gotta like, find different ways of, of making it's unreliable stuff, but I, I, I find my way around. Um, but like I said, it's not a very demanding market. It's not, it's not, a, it's not as capitalist as, as, a, as the New York or as the American market. Yeah. And so this is how I find the balance right now. Uh, had it been, had it been somewhere like New York or America, I know for sure I, would, I wouldn't survive without, without a day job Th- that I know for sure. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> Growing up, um, who did you look to for, you know, kind of, uh, inspiration and, and, uh, you know, character modeling, um, given that, you know, the environment around you was very chaotic, your dad wasn't around, uh, you know, who did you look to for like, this is the kind of person I want to be? Um, uh, my mom, it's my mom for me. Like yeah. she, 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 the way she always soldiered on just, just, she would inspire me. Like I, I would, I would just make sure I do a lot of things to just make sure that she's, she's happy that she smiles. And cause she didn't have a job until at, after some time she like a day job, like a proper, proper job. So she she used to just like do some crafts, uh, bed sheets and like sell them and sell them and all of that. So that alone would, would really inspire me. And and how much how much she believed in us and how much energy she put 
in us and making sure we go to school, making sure we get the support that we need. It was just, it would just make me feel guilty for not trying to yeah. change and live a better life. It's just that, that pushed me on. Um, yeah. I want to go back to something you said earlier about, uh, how people you know, deal with conflicts and, um, you know, just, just random squabbles on the streets that can lead to escalations. Can, yeah. you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? People like, like, like road rages, simple things as road rages. Yeah. Uh, um, they escalate real quick where I'm from here, not because of what's already happening, but it's already because of how traumatic people are. Like, right. Everybody's already going kind of through. up at, at like an eight or nine. Yeah. Or, yeah. Someone right. is like here. Yeah, the economy is messed up. People are suffering. Uh, people don't make any good money. People are hungry and all of that. And then I get into a fight with this person. I already got things in my head that I've been that I've been battling with, and that minute it just snaps. Like people are not in happy places, or they're not like okay with themselves before they get into into rages with other people. So when people get into those road rages or like get into petty fights and it escalates, it takes them an escalation to realize that oh. That person is as traumatized as myself. I think I'm just going to have to lower myself and they'll lower themselves and they'll be okay. Uh, and you can see with the, with the military and the police, uh, they don't get their salaries for months. They, 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 most of them make as much as $20 a month because of how messed up the economy is. They don't even get it for a very long time. So they're on the streets basically to, to swindle money out of young people and people moving around. They'll stop you and uh, take bribes and all of that. And when they meet someone that has been struggling the whole day to even make a small coin and you want to do that, it's going to be a crazy fight. And you realize it's not me and you. Me and you are okay. It's the environment that we are in that makes me try to step on you so that I can survive. I have kids that I want to look after. So I got to like take from you so that I can survive. And then I'm like, okay, then me too. That's the same thing. I'm, and I have my responsibilities. And I won't let you step on me. I have to also step on you. And then that's where we all realize that, okay, let's just let it go. Let me move my way. Let me go my way. So it's the society that that uh, that is toxic that creates that that energy. Yeah. 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 So it's like two guys get in a traffic argument and they're and like they scream at each other. And then eventually they're like, look, motherfucker, looks like you have a lot of uh, stuff on your plate and you got a lot of trauma. And so do I. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they hug it out yeah, and then yeah. they're fine. Yeah. I'll let you go. You let me go. That's, right. <laughs> that's the energy. <laughs> I'll let you go. You let me go. You are, are, are a really uh, positive dude. And how um, have you... Um, you know, because I imagine a lot of this, you know, these same stresses, um, just chaos and violence and trauma and poverty and all of this stuff, uh, you know, have affected you too. Um, how do you uh, kind of rise above all of that stuff? It's it's like I said, it's the hope for a better future that 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 keeps me running most of the times. Um, I used to. Growing up, I used to just want to see the next day. Like, what the next day has got for me is all, all I'm always looking forward to. So if today is, is terrible, what about the next day? What about the day after and all of that? And that just keeps me moving on. And and the, the fact that I realize that I can I can help figure out what my next day looks like, it really, really changed my thinking. Like, I can sit down and say, I want my tomorrow to be like this, or I want my, my three months to be like this. And what do I need to do that? This is what I need to do. And I sit down and do it. And, and even if I'm hungry or I have nothing in my pocket, I'm working on that and knowing that in the next three months, this is going to give me what I need and I'll be there. And that just keeps me pushing. It's, the, it's, it's, that, it's that hope and that image of the next day can be better and you can contribute to making it look better. Wow. It's inspirational, yeah. man. Like, I mean, like, it's just so, it's just so, um, I'm I'm really kind of awestruck, you know, just as a um, you know, like privileged American, privileged American white guy who's <laughs> who's just full of his own problems, can't get out of his own way. I'm constantly down on myself. I have just such a shitty fucking attitude, and you know, like I I was raised in like a suburban, like a nice house with central air and shit. Like I like I'm const I constantly marvel at how hard I fucking make things for myself. Um, when 
they're you know again all over the world like this is the majority honestly of the um condition yeah. of the human race like i'm the exception as a person living in a quote unquote first world country you know like yeah. uh, we as as americans who you know grew up um you know in relative peace in you know around us and um and and just always had you know fucking blockbuster video and and you know nickelodeon and shit like it, it's yeah we're not like th this is a rare experience than what the most of the world you know gets um and and yeah. still uh so many of us are fucking just miserable and i <laughs> i don't know what the equation is on that that's not really I a mean, question that's just an observation yeah 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 i mean it's it's just it's just funny like every everyone has their plate has their plate of uh of let me call it a plate of problems yeah um you you could i could also tell you that i'm i'm, I'm more privileged than other people and and uh, even even with with what i went through and and what and, and my life at the moment and all of that i can tell you that, that the people that can actually look up to me and say you're privileged and i accept that privilege at the end of the day like it's just the way the world has been set up it's always something and something about the other person the most important thing is is to acknowledge that privilege and just just walk around not disregarding other people that are not as privileged as, as you i'm not going to say i'm going to squash my privileges of course not. I work for some of them to, to get them here, and I think my biggest privilege is my education, my exposure, and uh, and um, uh, something that was gifted to me by someone that didn't owe me anything at all. Um, uh, the, a, a lady that actually lives in the in the U.S. that met one of my uncles while he was in the U.S. and offered to pay for my education for free until I was done with my school and everything, and so that she she acknowledged her privilege and she used that and said let me support someone else that is not as privileged as myself and i accepted it and i, I used it and i got here and it has put me in a privileged position and i acknowledge it and i say to myself uh, if there's anyone else that is not as privileged as myself i'm gonna say hey let me help you and 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 like uh, help you get to whatever you want to get to as well and then let's just move it forward but imagine if i got that and then i'm like no i still i need this i need that and all that it would be very very uh, ungrateful of me i should say i can't say i can't i can't blame her for where she grew up for the life that she grew in and all of that i can't do that it's, everyone has a different plate and all that it's when they disregard that and they want to step on other people that i can come out and say hey that's that, that's wrong right um, where, yeah. where were you, where did you get your education? Um, so my, my, uh, my early education, that's from middle school, nursery school and baby class. That's how it's classified here. Yeah. That was in Kenya. I, I first did Roda. Roda, Roda is like a very, it's like a baby class thing in, uh, in, in the camp, in Kakuma refugee camp. I did Roda for like a few months. It, was, it wasn't really, really serious. They, they would just send me there. Does that so have anything to do with like Rhodesia? Is that what that, uh, the, the, no, the no, I don't think it's, I don't even know how, how the name got there, but I was too young. They just sent me there to go and hang out with my brothers because mm -hmm. I was disturbing my mom and, and my mom just said, let, let him go hang out at the school. Is that like a publicly and, uh, funded school or what is it? Yeah. 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 yeah it's in the refugee camp. It's publicly funded um or like ngo funded and then when i went to high school to to uh to nairobi i now went to to middle class and then we moved to uganda at some point that's that's where i did primary school secondary school and, and university in uganda what did you study in university uh information technology oh yeah hell yeah that's a good um that's a very applicable skill i'm I'm starting to try to learn <laughs> yeah. to learn to code myself as a, as a guy with like no real marketable job right. skills it's a it's a good thing to know you said earlier that you know like comparatively you are you do have privilege compared to like a lot of people who um you know are in a similar uh situation background whatever um 
you know, like, mm. are there, like, because in the Sudanese war, there were, you know, there were child soldiers. Uh, were they your age? Were there child, like, people your age who grew up fighting? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm 25 now, and uh, there were people that were that actually joined the the, the the war when they were really young. People who didn't have parents, um, they were forced into the war. Uh, and uh, I actually know a guy that 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 was uh, uh, he's maybe a few years older than me, to be honest. Maybe like 30, 34 now. Mm-hmm. But he he did he did go into the into the war when he was a, when he was a kid. And even right now, there are actually kids that are in, that, that are in the military right now. There, there's so many of them. I've run into so many of them uh, and during the night patrols. And I just see this child. I'm like, this person is really young. This person should be in school. Some of them are even younger than me or some of them are my age mates. Uh, and, uh, and, and they're still recruit. They have still young kids that are going into the forces right now. Um, so, so that's why I say I'm, I'm less privileged. I'm, I'm more privileged than a lot of other people. Uh, some of them weren't able to get the education that uh, they need. Some of them do not have parents that are supporting them. Uh, they have no one, and so you're powerless. You're not educated, and you you don't have money. So you're gonna go for at least one thing you can get, and that's at least power. How can you get power? You can join the army, get a gun, and get a uniform, and you will have a little bit of respect yeah. in society. So that's where a lot of young people are running to right now, get power and and survive. And um, and yeah, and there are people that are still living in the camps right now. There are people that are living. In the in the protection comes in, within the country. Some of them that lost their parents during the wars, lost a lot of uh, relatives and all of that. So I I can say that I am more privileged than those people, uh, even though I have been or grown up in in a camp as well. I can say that I'm in I'm I'm in a better place. I am I figured what I want to do with my life. It's working out for me. I'm touring the world. I'm doing comedy. Yeah. I get paid for it and all of that. So all this is about just my story, my everything. But I can say it's 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 a better one for me. Yeah. Um. I mean, one of the obviously the big reason I wanted to have you on the show is because you know I, I just find you to be like a really uh, interesting, magnetic kind of guy. Um. Mm. But I also you. you know wanted to uh, just have you on to to talk about all of this stuff that's going on because I feel like as a Westerner, um, you know, we don't really hear a whole lot about what happens in like pretty much the entire fucking continent of Africa. Everything that I've learned about what is happening, uh, socially, historically in Africa, I have had to learn myself. They didn't teach us that really, you know? So like, um, it, and it's, it's really, uh, this is also more of a comment than a question. It's really kind of um, baffling to me, I guess, uh, you know, which wars and which civil situations uh, the United States and the media uh, choose to pay attention to. Um, You tell the average American like, hey, there's a war happening. They're going to talk about Ukraine. They're going to talk about the Middle East. They don't really like... Anything politically, socially that's happening in, uh, like, again, huge continent, Africa, um, a lot of people there, mm. they just don't really know what's happening and or, or what has happened, you know, and um, it, it's really, uh, I don't know gross to me the 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 ignorance um and even in myself like i barely fucking know anything i just kind of like cram a lot of uh history yeah, yeah. about like sudan and south sudan before i even talk to you you know um that like it's at best it's ignorance and maybe like a little bit of like condescending like oh it's so rough there mm, you know like like that and at mm-hmm. worst it's just completely fucking just like that place doesn't even exist those people are like they just they can't even point it to you on a map. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when I was in the U.S., I realized that I actually know a lot of things in the U.S. than actual U.S. citizens knew. Like some people, yeah. like they say, they they say thirty percent of, of the American population cannot cannot tell you the three arms of the government. Yeah. 
and I have known this thing since I was I don't know how long. Your and, average and, American and could the, your your average American yeah, the, could not the, pass a citizenship test, like what it takes to like you know <laughs> know the basics of. Anyway, go on. Yes, 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 yes. And, and like the three the three arms of the government is not our system. As as Africans, we we've had different systems. Um, the, the democratic system came in uh, after co after colonization and all of that, and we have learned these things more than actually the the, the West has, and um, so colonization did a big one on us, like a big one yeah. on us. Our education system, uh, <clears throat> we are taught about we are taught about the monarchy, we are taught about the America, taught about different places. We are not told about our own places and our own ancestry our own history we don't know much of that we just step up a bit and try to get a little bit of that but most of the things that they teach us are things about the west so right. when i travel and go to the when i was in i was in michigan and i was excited because we went to lake michigan i was excited like hey um i would like to see the st Lawrence seaway and they looked at me the people i was talking to they were surprised they're like you don't know the st Lawrence seaway they're like yeah we what, what, what the fuck are you talking about like, oh, sorry. I thought I was. I thought you guys know this thing. So the Saint Lawrence Seaway is basically like um, I think it's if I I planned this thing like ten years ago. It's like a canal where, where ship dock. I think. Yeah. But it's in the five Great Lakes, and it's like a very big business. It it really does does a lot of ship a lot of ships dock there and like and I think it opens <laughs> the bridge opens in a way and then blah, I, I forgot how the whole thing went like, and these people didn't know it. These young young kids that I'm uh, like uh. That are almost actually my age, or some of them my age didn't know it, and then I realized that okay, I think they teach us the wrong things where I come from, and that <laughs> creates a disconnection. Right. And uh, and there's a huge disconnection all over the world. Like there's no there's no emotional connection where I would feel remorse for anything that happens um, if I'm in Africa and something happens in the U.S. Uh, we actually we actually have so much more remorse because. The, the the US created a connection with Africa more in the cultural the cultural um, the cultural scene um movies music uh, the black the the black history and and black hip hop and all of that it created a connection between Africa and and uh, and, uh, and, and and the US like when I was in when I was in uh, New York I went to Brooklyn I went to BIG's house mm -hmm. I don't even know why I went but this is BIG yeah, yeah, I'm saying, so that connection, I went to B.A.G.'s house because there's that connection that came through the cultural scene yeah. and the movies and all of that, that if anything happens to a state in, 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 uh, in, in, in America, I'd be like, oh, that's really bad. Like, I would feel a little bit of, 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 of that remorse uh, if, given the distance. And also there are other people in different countries, in countries here who say, oh, New York is my favorite city. I want to visit New York. If anything happens in New York, they would feel hurt. But the reverse is not true. There is no that connection between the yeah. people in other countries, to African countries, and we saw it. Um, we saw when the Ukraine war happened. You could see there was a more connection between the Western countries to the, to the Ukrainian citizens than there was to other other places. So I think as humans, we need to create more connections than just living separately and say, "Oh, we are we are all combined by the UN." No, we're not. That is just documentation we are not really really combined yeah we don't really like understand each other that much yeah i you know so far as you know what you were saying about your your own education and you know the history of um of sudan and south sudan and and africa as a whole um and and the idea that um education about African history just sort of starts at European colonialism when there's this whole fucking history yes. that goes way back hundreds of thousands of years before white mm -hmm. people showed up um, that just doesn't really yeah. even get acknowledged. Like there's like some tiny yeah. references to it. Like, and we're seeing it sometimes in like pop culture, you know, with like black Panther, like would, would like reference, you know, like African uh, culture without colonialism. Uh, there's some like Octavia Butler books that, you know, that talk about like uh, pre-colonial African history. But uh, that's about all I can list pop culture wise about, you know, like, uh, uh, I, that's it. That's all I can list 
uh, pop culture wise. Yeah. Yeah. That, like in reference to Africa without white people, other than like, I don't know, the Lion King or coming to America or something like that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we just, we, as Africans, we need to just like try so much to tell our own stories. I think when we tell our own stories, we, we will be able to tell what we want to tell. Um, but if they're told by other people, yeah, it's still going to go the, the way. There, yeah. There's an African saying that goes like, uh, the African saying goes, uh, if, the, if the lion does not learn how to talk, the hunter will always be right. Right. So we, we need to learn how to talk or else the West will always be right. Or any other person that has any other agenda will always be right. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. uh, that was going to kind of lead to my next question. Uh, you seem like you, uh, really want to stay and, and build a, uh, comedy community, um, there in, in South Sudan. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do want to build a big one. Um, I am working on a comedy festival. I, it, it, it launched for the first year this year, had about 700 people come together for two years, mm-hmm. two, for two days, sorry, and had like comedians from across the continent, about six comedians or five, can't remember. And um, it was a good vibe. It's a fast comedy festival in the country. It was a good vibe. Got people laugh together, have fun, different tribes. We have a very tribal issue here. We have 64 tribes of so people always like clashing and all of that. Just in, so in we South got Sudan. People. Yeah, in South Sudan. So wow. we got people come together from different places and just like share a laugh and have fun and create moment. And I want that to continue. Uh, my team and I are working on the next edition for next year and all other great ideas that I want to also implement in the country. But some of these things need time in the sense that you need to also to also stabilize. And um, But also there's the things that I want to do for my community and then there's the things that I want to do yeah. for myself so that I can be able to do the things for my community because if I have no ground I cannot do anything for the community so this keeps on giving me uh, a switch of back and forth that I came to came to a resolution that I would only do um, not so regular things for the, for, for, for the time being um, uh, things that don't need so much of my commitment so that I can be able to, 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 to do some things for myself yeah. and build a proper following and a proper support system for me to come and give back. You can't give back what you don't get. And um, so the balance is in between, in between uh, creating projects that can run at this every now and then and can also be run, other people, run by other people so that I can get on the road and do my own shows grow as a comedian and right. grow a bigger f- following and all of that you have to travel you have to get out in the world so that people know who the fuck you are you know that, I, mean, yeah, I, I, I would exactly. i would have no idea you exist if, if you hadn't come to new york and run into my buddy yeah Gabe, you know so, exactly exactly yeah it's yeah. it's um it's amazing like it it does take time to build any type of um scene or culture i mean like even in america stand-up comedy didn't even really get good until like the 1970s and even then it was spotty and that was when america had been a country for 200 years you know and like (laughs) it, it, it was such a long road and like I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched like old like stand up on like Carson or whatever, um, but most of it fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, like I see them. It's um, some of it's good. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I, I kind of like stop. I stop at Richard Pryor like yeah, most of the times. That's a good place to stop. <laughs> like when I get to Richard Pryor, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go. Yeah, good place to start. I'm not gonna go farther than that. Yeah, it's it's. It, but I mean, for for such things, the, the the society needs to grow at the same at the same time as the art. These mm-hmm. two things complement itself. The growth, the art can grow without the society, and uh, the the society the society needs to get to this level. Like, oh, we are thinking like this now. Okay, let's start thinking like this. Um, and it, it, I, I struggle with that as a comedian. That's in a that's in a in a in a country that I'm in right now, where people are still struggling with different other things. And I want to come up and say, hey, uh, we're thinking like this now. And then the society is like, no, um, we're still thinking like that. Like, take us slow. So I'm, I'm, I'm more of like, okay, yeah, I'm going to let you guys grow a little bit. 
yeah. and then we can now think like this as a whole society so you don't expect stand up to like like flourish uh though it has been around for for a while right now it i can't expect it to really really flourish that quick uh the society is still coming to terms with other things yeah it's yeah. um you know and and i think a lot of uh, comedians and artists in general sort of grapple with this, that, you know, the arts do get seen as kind of frivolous. Um, you know, that seen as kind of like, yeah, that's all fun and good, but like, we're trying to, you know, survive. We're trying to like eat and have shelter and, you know, like just have like basic necessities. So I don't know if your little jokes are really like super necessary. You know what I mean? Like, um, so like it's, it's tough to, to build. Yeah. They'll be like once, once or twice is okay. Once or twice is okay. But every day, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can't do this every day. Once or twice is fine. So like, okay, cool. Let's do it once or twice. Then maybe we make it thrice. Then you never know. We'll push it harder. What is um, like the, the general vibe of, of like African uh, stand-up comedy compared to other places you've been? Like, um, are, are they... Like, do they like uh, character work? Do they like uh, act outs? Do they like uh, impressions? Uh, like, what's like kind of popular in the? Is it more storytelling or like short, punchy jokes? Um, I would say the only the only genre that struggles a lot in most of the African countries I've been to is like one liners, mm-hmm. um, because Africans Africans grew up on stories. We're storytellers and we're story listeners. Mm-hmm. So stories always grab our attention and, and they make us bond in the sense of most of us have like almost the same backgrounds or like been to like as Africans, we know African parents and African neighborhoods and, and households and all of that. So those stories take us on a journey where we visit back and forth and all of that and uh, and uh, physical expressions and all of that do away amazing. It's the one liners that always gets gets people uh, lost most of the times. Um, some audiences are great. Some, some, some. Are, it also depends on how, how long this this scene has had comedy. Uh, South Africa is a very developed scene. Has yeah. a great uh, has been around for a long time. So they they are like uh, they they like go so well with a lot of a lot of genres. Uh, Uganda, I would say a little bit of storytelling, more, more storytelling, less less of uh, less of one liners. Um, Kenya, I would say depends on the scene that you're in but it's still more storytelling a little bit of of uh, of, of one-liners so that's just like the energy yeah um like how popular of a of an art form is it there like do you um do you have a lot of people who come to your shows and 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 like they're they tell you like oh this is my first time seeing a comedy show or they or they like oh yeah this I've seen this I, like I've seen a comedy troupe I've seen individual stand-ups like this is this is old news to me. Um, in South Sudan, yes, there are people who say I've never seen stand-up in South Sudan, um, but then people who have seen it for the first time. But you also have to you are it's also like the population is really small and it's not a lot of things that are happening, but the art form is popular, but not as popular as music for a very long time. And we have to come to terms with this, that music and comedy have their own positions that we just need to say, Hey, music is right there. It's yeah. more of a national language, more of an uh, universal language than comedy is. Yeah. That it always steps ahead there, and then stand up has its own position. The same way you would say poetry has its own, own other position as well. So, keeping keeping in uh, consideration those uh, those positions and the way they vary and all of that, you could say that stand up is is popular in uh, in in some places. It's it's popular in Uganda. It's popular in Kenya, Tanzania, South Africa. Egypt is a little bit less popular. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but not any close to, 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 to music for all those countries. Yeah. I mean, music's huge. And, and like, again, like as a Westerner, like, you know, my main cultural exposure to, you know, the entire continent of Africa is probably mostly like Nigerian funk and stuff like that. That's, you know, like mm. imported, you know, um, so, and, and even that stuff is, you know, again, completely different region of Africa. And it's, it's like. 40 years old at yeah. this point a lot of a lot of like what i've heard um but you know mm-hmm. it's it's just it's everywhere and, and it's so fucking good it's amazing 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, music, music has the gift. Yeah, music has the gift of playing over and over again, and someone doesn't get bored. Yeah, Jokes don't have that gift. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and again, like there's uh language barriers and um cultural reference barriers, stuff like that. Like you know, you can. Mm-hmm. reference a commercial that's running or something in South Sudan that <laughs> nobody's going to fucking get, yes. you know, but it's, it kills yes, in yes. South Sudan, but like nobody understands, like, Not what here. are you talking Not about? Here. It's, oh, well, there's this dishwasher detergent commercial where a guy makes this face and everybody <laughs> thinks it's really funny, you know, like, uh, you'd have to see it, you know, um, and, and that's what's so yeah, that's um, right. nutty and interesting about just like comedy in different cultures. I, I just started watching this show it's fairly old at this point. It's called Documental. Um, it's It was originally started in Japan. Um, and it's the concept of it. It's like a reality show. And like seven or eight stand-up comedians, they all have to sit in a room with each other all day and make each other laugh without laughing themselves. If you laugh, you lose. You're out of the room. Uh, you get kicked out. And so that's like <laughs> the concept of the show. So it's just these... You know, mm. like these like dozen or so Japanese guys who I've never fucking heard of and they don't speak a word of English and they are so fucking funny and weird and just the tension of like them knowing that like if they laugh, they'll get yelled at and kicked off the show like is yeah, yeah. is great. And it's taken off in like they have one in Italy. They have one in Canada. They have one, they, they have one like everywhere. They haven't made one in America yet because I don't know if it would really work here. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really interesting concept and it's a really right. fascinating kind of anthropological study to see it, like what is funny where, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. Like humor, humor, humor is a very, it's a very, it's a very universal and not universal at the same time. Yeah. Like you could say everyone has a sense of humor, but still, what humor you bring? Like, how can I? Even within even within the same communities, people have different senses of humor. You can still struggle to make everyone laugh. But yeah, it's just I always, I tell people we pick the wrong art. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, it goes everywhere. There's humor that's very broad. There's humor that's very slapstick or like very um very uh. uh like dry yeah. and subtle, you know, and it's, it goes all over the place and it really, um, it just depends on who you are. Well, we should wrap yeah, up. Yeah, um, that's it. we should wrap up, but, uh, it's been a, a fucking pleasure and a privilege talking to you, man. And, um, thank you so much for, for coming on pleasure the show. Is all mine, bro. If you all want mine. to, uh, if people want to, uh, find you thank and your you. work, uh, you know, give us some, give us some plugs, give us all your info so we can, so we can follow you. Yes, yeah, sure. All, all my social media handles are a cow jumbo, uh, a K a U jumbo, J a M B O. Uh, my website is a cow And that's, that's where you can find me. Right yeah. on, man. Um, I, you. you know, I know you're uh, mad busy and you, you just left the United States, but I, I hope to see you next time you come back. Definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm coming through. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you so much. You're so good talking to you, man. Have a good night or good day, actually. Wow. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> time difference. <laughs> Thank you once again to a cow jumbo for being on the show. You can follow this, uh, podcast at self worst on Instagram. Uh, you can like, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify, all of that. Thank you very much. Um, tell a friend, word of mouth, that helps. I don't know. Do what you got to do to get the word out there. And uh, patreon.com slash self-worst. Kick in as little as a dollar a month. And you get bonus content. Woo! I'm getting some more uh, Patreon subscribers. That's interesting. Uh, you know, maybe maybe shit's happening. Maybe I'm finally gonna make my big break. <laughs> In podcasting. Um, anyway, that's all. Uh, music is by Shea Bartel. Thank you, Shay. And, uh, you know, s- stay spooky, don't get murdered. Um, Boomer lives. Glitter done.